Hey, the psalmist said, I will make the godly in the land my heroes. There's something about righteousness and truth and sacrifice and courage and integrity and honesty. These are these are traits we used to value in people. In fact, these are heroic traits. And in our, in our podcast today, we're going to talk about this trend in America for the last 50 or 60 years to attack founding fathers, attack anybody that would have been considered a, a a hero in America. And more importantly, what is the the effect of this toxicity? It's almost like a uh, an acid that erodes everything that we hold uh, dear and true. And, uh, and what is the long-term effects of a country that no longer celebrates anything? We're going to be talking about that in our podcast today as we deal with the, the important topic called venerating our heroes. And uh, we'll highlight today why that is so very, very important. Join us today. You won't want to miss this podcast. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, you're in for a treat today. We've got a great topic this morning as we continue to work through uh, Eric Metaxas's great book called A Republic If You Can Keep It, or If You Can Keep It's the name of the book. Uh, but we've been enjoying some uh, some really great discussion. And today we're talking about the role or the cultural value, I guess, in, in venerating heroes. Uh, and even in saying this topic today, we realize how far downstream we are. Um, I don't know about you, but did you did you have any heroes growing up? Were there any people that popped into your mind that were like people you really looked up to and celebrated and, and yeah, inspired you? We're talking about uh, like cultural heroes. Now, I right. mean, obviously, we have per- personal heroes. Yeah, but, but I want to know you got personal heroes. Yeah, I got personal hero. My you know my parents, you know, uh, people in my life was pouring to me. Spiritual yeah. leaders were pouring to me. I think we hopefully we all have some type of personal heroes yeah. in our hopefully our parents. Um, but in terms of cultural heroes, um, there really hasn't been that many because we we uh, we we are in the business. We're in, we live in the world business of breaking down heroes, right? Yeah, yeah. If you got a hero, we're gonna somehow uh, deconstruct this person and tell them why they shouldn't be heroes. Well, even our movies and things like that, you know, you see the rise of like the anti-hero, the the kind of yeah. bad, dark yeah. person that that is on the edge, and you're not sure whether they should be celebrated or uh, or hated. Right. Um, or, or normally it's somebody that is on the edge that is celebrated for being on the edge instead of being kind of a clear beacon of truth or morality or virtue or whatever. But I'm, I'm like you. I, you know, I, my dad was a big hero in my life, obviously, dad and mom. Um, you know, I had, you know, we, we both shared our love for Michael Jordan. I still argue with my son that he is the GOAT. He's, it, no questions I, asked. I do I need to talk to your son? <laughs> yeah, she is that Johnny? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Johnny, my gosh. Yeah. I, he, I, nah. He's there with me on most of it, but he's a little weak when it comes to, to Michael. And I, right, uh, That's a whole other topic we, we will not get into. So, but, but yeah, well, you remember those days when you're watching TV and the Bulls were on and every single game was exciting and you knew if Michael had the ball and we were we were uh, looking to score yeah. the go-ahead bucket. Uh, something very exciting was going to happen, and uh, and you just you just knew he, this guy was going to come through. And and we yeah, I mean obviously I wasn't even like a Chicago native or Chicago era native, but I mean I loved Michael Jordan because he provide someone who broke through, who came through. Obviously, he's got things in his life that you know we probably don't necessarily agree with, but that's not the point. The point was uh, these sports yeah. hero. 
uh, brought a certain value that we could all come behind and said, hey, you know what? As a nation, as a culture, we admire people who who works hard. You know, he's yeah. a hard worker who who focused, who didn't give up, who sacrificed, sacrificed, yeah, and he yeah, broke yeah. through. You know, we're not venerating everything he brings to the table, but these specific values we can unite as a nation to say, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and the, and the point Metaxas is making, as you pointed out, is that we're living in a day where uh, it's almost like the. Um, the toxicity of our culture causes anybody who is venerated for anything to be like melted down. Like we're always looking for dirt. We're looking to uh, to push them off the pedestal. And um, and so what's the connection uh, Metaxas is making between keeping the Republic, which is, which is what the book's about, yeah. and venerating heroes? Like how do those things go together? What's, what's this point? Well, if you listen to our last week's podcast, which I highly recommend, we talk about uh, George Whitfield yeah. and how George Whitfield was very much an American hero, even though he's from England, yeah. who came in and basically his message caused the colonies to unite in a powerful way, yeah. right? Again, for a nation to be great, uni- <coughs> unity is so important. Unity in message, unity in, in theology or worldview well, to a certain yeah. degree. And that's kind of what Whitfield brought. But what heroes do is it kind of brings the nations together, uniting us on some common virtues to say, yes, together we celebrate this virtue. Because can you imagine, you know, we're divided because one person says, you know, hardworking is great. And and someone else says, hardworking is bad. We shouldn't be hardworking. That's just a very simple example. But, But with a nation that's divided on virtues... That nation cannot stand. Yeah. And I think back, you know, it wasn't that many years ago when we at least had a consensus on our founding fathers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. that's in Washington, D.C., you know, that has a monument dedicated to them, right. like George Washington right. and Abraham Lincoln, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, these, these were American icons and heroes. No, nobody had any problem with these folks. Or if you did, you were a tiny little fringe minority. Uh, these were people that we read about in our history lessons as kids growing up. Yep. You know, we talk about... You know, uh, the 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 legend again of of George Washington cutting down the cherry tree and right. basically saying I cannot tell a lie and, and and you know celebrating the fact that that he was a person of integrity even as a young boy uh, of course all you know all the military sacrifices when people shed their blood and give their lives you know for for the, our freedoms I mean these are things that inspire all Americans or at least should inspire all Americans um, but that's this whole veneration of heroes has fallen into a, a, a disrepute. You know, it's just we, we, we either don't agree that we should celebrate anybody or we can't find a common person to celebrate because we're all so separated right now. Yeah, and I think that's a major problem because there are some heroes venerated by the progressive left to which I would pick I would, I, would, right. I would pick holes in their story and be like, well, yeah, they did this, but what about all these things? And there's heroes I celebrate, and others could say the same about me because we're such a divided nation. Yeah, there is hardly there's hardly anyone that can truly unite us uh, that we can venerate, we right. can honor together. Yeah, that yeah. we can all say that was that was an incredible accomplishment. Thank you. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, the problem is uh, in our inability to come together around these these types of people causes a great vacuum. Uh, because there's something about uh, 
you know, a hero that pulls us all together, causes us to be on the same team and really represents like who our, our core common identity is, you know, as Americans. And, and this is what de Tocqueville referred to as habits of the heart. You know, he talked about, you know, going to church uh, and certain values that we have, certain community functions that we all do together. And he was saying one of those um, habits of the heart, they all, of course, work together and reinforce each other. But but one of them is the fact that we, we sing songs about heroes and so forth. Now, you and I were, were talking about this. Um, the Bible, once again, in the Christian worldview, provides a healthy balance between uh, a blind veneration, uh, you know, of somebody putting them on a pedestal so so right. high that it's really not realistic, and also the 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 kind of the cynical, negative, toxic environment we have today, where everybody is put under a microscope, microscope and and absolutely attacked and destroyed if there's right. any imperfection. How, how does how does a Christian worldview keep those things in a healthy tension? I think the 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 one the major problem with the, the divisiveness, even our hero, is because we live in a fatalistic culture. When I, when I say that, I mean that we live in a very skeptical, there's no truth, there's no God, there's no ultimate reality, right? Well, and if there's no truth, there's no virtue, and if there's no virtue, what are we celebrating well, in the first place in, and why? In that case, whoever you propped up as a hero is simply something to advocate your agenda. Right. It's not a transcendent cause or transcendent virtue because that transcendent virtue comes from ultimate reality, which comes from God. So when I say we're living in a fatalistic world, well, yeah, you propped up this hero because you just simply want to sell your message. And that's how I see many heroes and probably how people see my heroes, too. So It's kind so of that, an identity <laughs> politics thing. So you're going to find somebody that represents your cause or, 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 yeah. or your identity or whatever, and then you that person becomes... this person up. Yeah. Look at some of the, uh, like, uh, Greta Thunberg or whatever, this right. teenage girl, they prop up. Like, she's a young lady. Right. She's not what, a scientist. She's, she's no expert in what, it. What virtue are you propping up right now? I mean, yeah. again, it, 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 I can give you example, example. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, why are the... Let's go back to biblical heroes. Now, outside of Jesus, we know theologically that and, and, and biblically that many of these heroes, all these heroes, have flaws. We're flawed, yeah. And, and the Bible, and one of the reasons why Bible is so respected is because the Bible does not shy away from those flaws. Right. Some of these heroes so, that we so love every, the most. Every person, and I mean, I, we could just throw out a few. All right, I'll throw out one, the, like the Apostle Paul. Well, yeah. In his previous role as right. as Saul, uh, he was killing Christians and separating families and hauling people off to jail, all under the name of uh, religion. Right. And and now you know we look at the radical conversion that he had and and uh, the sacrifices that he made and the turnaround that God brought in his life. And you know, as Christians, you say, hey, the Apostle Paul's got to be right up there in the top five of uh, biblical heroes, right? But even after his conversion, you know, he's arguing with Barnabas. He shared openly about his struggles, his 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 thorn in his side. Yep. I mean, again, this wasn't like a perfect strong Superman. This was this was a normal guy who called to himself do his best. the greatest of sinners. Yeah, you know, even later in his in his life, not that right. he was practicing, but he was aware of the of the wickedness that still right. was hidden in his own heart. Well, I mean, even Peter. I mean, obviously, the issues before Christ died and resurrected, right. but after Paul. I mean, after yeah. after the resurrection, some of the struggles he had that Paul talked about in his letters. So, I mean, then we talk about the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, David, yep. Solomon, you know, um, Job, all these guys have great virtues that we should emulate, but yep. they have transparent weakness. Well, what I, what I love in the Bible is uh, when uh, David actually composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, which is similar to what Metaxas talks about in his book about... Um, 
the the midnight ride of Paul Revere, which we'll get into that in just a moment. But this sounds very Paul Revere-ish here. It's known as the Song of the Bow. Um, and it says this, Your pride and joy, O Israel, lies dead on the hills. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Don't announce the news in Gath. Don't proclaim it in the streets of Ashkelon. Or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice and the pagans will laugh in triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fruitful fields producing offerings of grain. He says, for there the shield of the mighty heroes was defiled. The shield of Saul will no longer be anointed with oil. The bow of Jonathan was powerful, and the sword of Saul did its mighty work. They shed the blood of their enemies and pierced the bodies of mighty heroes. How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. They were together in life and death. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O women of Israel, weep for Saul, for he dressed you in luxurious scarlet clothing and garments decorated with gold. He said, Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies dead on the hills. How I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. How, oh, how much I loved you. And your love for me was deep, deeper than the love of, wom- of women. Oh, how the mighty heroes have fallen. Stripped of their weapons, they lie dead. So here's a perfect example. You know, David is writing this song to remember Saul and to basically celebrate Saul as a hero, even though Saul was spent the last you know decade or more pursuing David, trying to kill him. Um, but David didn't look at the negative aspects. He looked at the great attributes of Saul. And I think there's something to learn there. Of course, David and Jonathan, covenant brothers. Um, but this is, a, this is a perfect example of taking uh, in written form, in po- poetic form, uh, and putting it on paper for generations to read about the exploits of King Saul and his son Jonathan, yeah. so that all of his, this would become part of the history of Israel. They would celebrate the contributions of these two men for generations to come. That's really the purpose of of literature and the purpose of heroic literature is so that we 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 tell why these folks should be celebrated. In this case, it was their their uh, leadership, their sacrifice for the nation, uh, their 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 leadership caused great blessing to fall on the people, and these are things that, that they should be remembered for, not the the uh, character flaws which Saul had, especially in his later years, which were many. Um, but we've lost, kind of lost that today, and I think that's what Eric Metaxas uh, is drawing attention to. He's, he says this, um, and I'm quoting him, but just as uh, we seem in the last 50 years to have misunderstood or forgotten entirely the role that faith and virtue have in our republic, so we seem also to have abandoned the vital tradition of venerating heroes. And he goes on to say, if we are, if we are to keep the republic, we must again seriously consider this absolutely vital tradition. Now, he goes back and he pinpoints the 1960s as kind of a turning point. Um, you know, where the whole question authority, it was a massive kind of uprising against uh, Western civilization. Yep. And it really marks a period from the 60s on, at least in his mind, where um, where we stopped celebrating heroes. We stopped <clears throat> rehearsing some of the things that, that Americans had been kind of tutored on for years and years and years. Um, and he says, roughly here, since the 1960s, public expression of the heroic, whether in stories or other artworks, have effectively disappeared. America decided that it made more sense to be suspicious of heroes <clears throat> than to venerate them. Um, 
this is a problem today uh, because he goes on to say, uh, last quote here, denigrating heroes or simply failing to venerate them has a cynical and toxic effect on the younger, younger generation. And, uh, and we now have had 50 years in which we have neglected this habit of the heart so vital to our free way of life. So, um, again, you look at young people today, the people that they're venerating might be rap stars, um, might be um, usually as a Hollywood person. Pop culture people. Yeah, pop yeah. culture. Yeah. And, uh, and so what is it that we celebrate? You know, I, side note here, I was watching a little clip yesterday just having me on the news. Uh, it was an interview with Jesse Jackson, Rainbow Coalition, mm. you know, founder and all of that political activist. And he made a quote that I thought was absolutely ridiculous. He, he was saying that Colin Kaepernick, you know, has not gotten his job back in the NFL, but that Colin Kaepernick will go down in the history uh, as one of the most uh, revered freedom fighters. And I'm sitting there going, Freedom fighters, what, what freedom? Yeah. You know, in other words, are we gonna we're we gonna put up a statue of, of Colin Kaepernick? Probably here, will. They probably will. Here's a young man <clears throat> that was adopted uh, by a family who provided for all of his needs and raised him in a in a good home, I believe, a Christian home. He gets he has an incredible athletic athletic background. He gets a job as a starting quarterback at the time for the 49ers. He's making millions of dollars and. He can't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or the for singing of the national anthem, uh, and, and he's going down as a freedom fighter. I'm like, where have you, what freedoms have, have you been fighting for, and, and who took your freedom? It seems to me like you're in the top 1% of all Americans, and certainly of all the world, and this guy's being still venerated by the left as, as somebody that's a hero, and I'm going, what is heroic about anything that this guy has ever done? Uh, it seems just the opposite, but this is where we are today. Well, Caitlyn Jenner. Being, being venerated for yeah. his transition to a woman, or I mean, again, he uh, he's so heroic. He, I the, mean, again, the courage, yeah, this the is courage, yeah. and, and again, these are all things that's just like that's why we're a nation. For me, this veneration thing is like that. That's really not the issue. Is how divided we are. You're gonna. It's all about rhetorics right now. It's not about any transcendent value because you're gonna degrade my heroes because they don't serve your ideology, and I'm gonna do the same to yours because your heroes. Don't have to show the virtues that my heroes have. Yeah. And, and again, that's why, again, I, we go back to sports because in sometimes and many times in sports, we're able to kind of bridge that neutrality a little bit because I, we're not talking about your personal worldview. Yeah. We're just talking about your ability to win. Right. right? But even in sports, it's interesting because I, I remember when, the, the again, the public at large that was still operating from more of a, a Christian worldview would hold... Uh, athletes accountable, they would say, "Hey, you're you're role models for young people," yeah. um, you, you, or in a sense, we're saying, "Hey, you're a hero in some kids' eyes." Right. Make sure that you conduct yourself in a way that that young people consider you, you know, role model. They'll follow your behavior. And it was interesting because being called a role model uh, in the earlier years would have been a compliment. Like if someone says, "Hey, you're a role model," wow, that means I have a degree of influence. It means younger generation or kids are wanting to emulate me. And I noticed there was just this pushing away. People would say, hey, I'm a pro football player. I never signed up to be a role model. Um, in other words, I'm not going to embrace virtue. I'm not going to embrace uh, a lifestyle that, uh, that I would believe is being watched by younger people and that I would say, hey, do what I'm doing. Don't put me into that. I don't want that, that kind of burden or that kind of pressure. And like I say, it was just a radical shift because that if you were a role model in previous generations, that meant you were a person of virtue, a person 
person of strength, a person of character, somebody that people wanted to be like. And now I've noticed people really run from that, and they and they uh, just flat out say, "I'm not a role model. I'm a baseball player. I'm not a role model. I'm a basketball player. Whatever." Um, and certainly in our in our uh, popular uh, music culture. Uh, promoting all kinds of behaviors now uh, in popular culture that we would look at and say, that's not something we, we want to emulate right. at all. Um, well, we went from being a role model <clears throat> as something that's like an honor to, hey, you know what? I don't want to be a role model because I don't, I don't want a responsibility yeah. of that. To parents saying, I'm glad these guys say they don't want to be role model because I don't want my kids emulating after them. So please put a badge up that says, do not try this at home. Don't do this. You know, that's really where our culture is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like, I think Venner, these role, these these guys who are these pop culture icons are not, they, they don't feel the responsibility or obligation uh, but it's to 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 act a certain way. In fact, the ones who says emulate me, they're the scariest at this right. point because they're saying, "Hey, kids, you guys should." Be. They're the ones overtly trying to send a message to me. The most neutral pop culture uh, icons to me are the ones who's like, "Hey, you know, this is just what I do in my private. Kids, don't do this at home." I I respect them more than the ones who's like, "Oh, kids, you need to do this, this, this and this." And I'm like, "Oh my God, that push, pushing <laughs> but, ideology." But we compare this to the biblical standard where the apostle Paul says, "Follow me as I oh, follow Christ." Oh, we have Christ. fallen so far from <laughs> I mean, any of those things. Yeah, of course he was saying the the, the standard, the hero, the the hero of heaven, right? right. Is Jesus Christ? He he is technically the only true hero that's not a flawed hero, as you mentioned. Uh, but we at least used to say that was the plumb line. Let's be like Christ. Or you'd hear parents say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. At least they recognized that there was a standard. Mm -hmm. They were not living up to the standard, but at least there was a standard. Of course, you highlighted when you throw away the standard, when there is no transcendent truth, you have nothing to judge even the term hero with. I mean, yeah, heroes, whatever you want, whatever you make it up. We, again, we live in the fatalistic world. But again, I think the encouragement to our people is this, there is a vacuum for hero in our culture. Now, I'm not saying we're all going to be Michael Jordans or we're all yeah. going to be Oprahs or we're going to be have that platform, okay? But but when there's a we all why is there such a, well at least used to be such a longing for superhero movies is because we we don't have real heroes, yeah. So we're going to create fake heroes. But then <laughs> well, the, I think you're exactly right, but, which is why I hate those movies because I'm like, what are they fighting for? No, and then I, someone would say they're out to save the world. I'm like, that is just so nebulous. There's nothing. It, nothing that moves me about that. Like, uh, you, save my country, yes. Save the cosmos, no. I'll argue all day because because those are because those superhero movies, those cinema fiction is what moves the world, is what moves the culture. You can dismiss it all day, but that's what changes our culture, right? So I rather influence that and use that to change our culture. Anyway, my point is there's a vacuum. So it's interesting because they make these fake heroes, but then they, they start to tear these fake heroes down too because because that's the that's that's the corrosive <laughs> nature of our culture. But my point is this there is such a longing and a vacuum for heroes. So guess what? Be a hero. Yeah. Be a hero, maybe not a cultural hero because you're on a platform, but be a personal hero to those around you. Work hard, be faithful, love people, love God, and you. there's a vacuum and people will be drawn to you because there's no heroes left. I'm rereading uh, John Eldridge's book right now. Um, uh, oh, my God. The one before that. The, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart, yeah. yeah. Great book. And I just got through the first chapter again, but he, he says, in the soul of every man, uh, there, every man ha has a battle to fight 
a cause, you know, a, a cause, beauty to rescue. A beauty to rescue. He has the three things he said was in the dragon story. to slay or a battle fight, a beauty to rescue. Look at you. And I'm what impressed. was the last one? Matt, I read this yesterday and I can't remember it. But but yeah. the point is this: you look at every adventure to adventure yeah, to I think adventure. It's adventure yep. to, yeah. You look at every mm-hmm. movie that guys like. Yeah. All right, Braveheart, um, Gladiator. Yeah. I mean, all the all the top movies that that on the guy's list, okay. Every single one of those uh, captures that. In other words, we we want a cause to give our lives for. We, we want we want to fight for the girl, you know. We want to win her heart, you know. We want an adventure. All of this, I think, is the way God made us as men. And when we don't have those types of real challenges, yeah. we we try to win, you know, Call of Duty wars and fake, rea- you know, fake, fake battles. We we fake planet we go to safe. fake planet savers. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just sad because there's nothing. What it's saying is there's really nothing in life for people to fight for or to lay their lives down for. You know, I think of even in Christendom, so to speak, we we valued missionaries who went to faraway places and endured incredible sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. I mean, these are these people sp- spawned an entire missions movement because p- young people said, wow, there's a cause to live for. You know, I'm not just trying to level up in call of duty. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out to actually really save people, lead people to Christ, make an impact in their lives, change, make history. And I feel like some, you know, the farther our culture drifts, the more we get into... F- fake and phony and and no heroes at all and just a cynical toxic what difference does it make everybody's a liar everybody's a cheat everybody's doing it you know it's just it just continues to erode until you just have this very dark negative place and i guess that's what metaxas is saying if america doesn't arise from this if there's not any true heroes that we can all go wow that's amazing like like today if you said someone's going to go out and give their life for their country die for for america to save america those people in many cultures or many parts of american society would be ridiculed and mocked like you're stupid why did you do that um and that's a really a a sick place to be so in the time we have left you know he brings up nathan hale as an example the great american patriot um and on the campus of yale which is where eric metaxas went to school there is a very prominent (laughs) statue of nathan hale he was only 24 years old he was in the prime of his life uh, he's standing in the, in the statue with his arms tied behind his back. He's got his feet tied, and he's getting ready to make his famous statement. I regret that I have only one life. Yeah, he was a soldier or in the Revolutionary yeah, War. Yeah, soldier. Got captured by the Britons. Captured. He was, he was a spy for George Washington. And the British wanted to make an object lesson out of him. And they said uh, that the British soldiers were so moved by the tranquility in the moment of, of getting ready to be hanged, uh, his tranquility, his poise, his his um, willingness to lay his life down uh, joyfully, as it were, for his country, and his regret that he only had one life to give. I mean, the British are looking at him like, this is an amazing young man, but it was a hardened uh, British uh, officer who wanted to make a you know role model out of this guy or an example out of this guy. So they hung him right there in uh, the orchard and left his body to be uh, eaten by the animals. He wasn't given a, uh, a Christian burial or a decent, even a decent burial. And, um, and so they have this statue on the campus of Yale to remind people 
that it was young men like this, college-age young men, who gave their lives so that all of you folks at Yale could have a great education and experience, you know, the American dream, mm -hmm. but also that it would inspire them that there are things that are worth fighting for and, and even worth dying for. Mm -hmm. And so he, his point was, years later, one of the classes came out with a bobblehead doll of uh, Nathan Hale, and he was shocked by it because he's like, why would you take somebody who paid the ultimate sacrifice and turn him into a goofy little bobblehead doll? And... Um, and the, the whole point he made in that example is, you know, he says the, the statue was put there to help Americans and young Yale men in particular to think of the heroic sacrifices that had been made for them so that they would be grateful for those sacrifices and so that they would themselves be inspired to make similar sacrifices. And so for Eric Metaxas, turning Nathan Hale's statue into a bobblehead was like a prophetic picture of what's happened to our culture, like something like what is sacred anymore? What is holy anymore? What is honorable anymore? Like you don't take that guy, everything that he stood for and turn it into some ridiculous little bobblehead. But his point was that's exactly what our culture has done to anything that is, is truly admirable or heroic. We degrade it and we treat it like it's no big deal. Uh, and then we, instead of inspiring us to make sacrifices, we go the other route. We don't sacrifice, you know, for anything. He said, heroes inspire us, and whenever our nation has faced a crisis, it has fallen to poets and sculptors and painters and songwriters and later to filmmakers to rally the nation to its feet and to inspire young men and women of the nation to do what they must. And, and he, he says, so by pushing away these common stories of our heroes, we have allowed ourselves to be drained of our very common identity as Americans. And unless we celebrate our common ideals and stories and our common story, he said, uh, unless we are unified in celebrating these things, we can never appreciate who we are or what we have. That's a pretty strong, strong language there, but I think it's right on. Um, there has to be a unifying message that pulls people together and rallies people. And I'll just say this because we're about running out of time. Um, but this movie, Sound of Freedom, that has taken mm -hmm. Hollywood by storm. You know, <laughs> you got Barbie, which is this ridiculous, you know, uh, kind of iconic movie about American culture, making all kinds of other woke statements in there. Barbie. And then you got a film that, that Disney did not want to produce kind of exposing this wicked underbelly of child sex trafficking. And uh, which one is doing better? Well, Barbie's doing pretty well, which, which says we're divided as a nation in terms of what we value and, and honor. But this <clears throat> other movie took the nation by storm because there's people that are really saying <clears throat> there are causes and important things worth fighting for. There is evil. There, there is good. <clears throat> and something about doing good in the face of evil and attacking evil is inspiring. I don't care who you are. It says, you know what, things matter. And, um, and I think it's been a tribute to, um, to, to truth itself that that movie is going crazy uh, and that Americans are responding to it you know, in huge numbers. Now, it's still, it, we're very much a nation divided, but it gives me hope that people are still looking for good stories about things that matter and about, uh, again, the battle between good and evil and people that are willing to do good things and virtuous things and sacrificial things. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Of course, Hollywood is tone deaf to all of it. Um, even when it's attached to money, they're still tone deaf. But, but even, they're agenda-driven, even like the sound of freedom. I mean, 
we need producers, we need Christians, we need we need people who follow biblical worldview because uh, to to make that movie is not just like one missionary go out and do something. It's yeah. it's a whole team, it's a whole production, and they had to fight through it. That movie was made years and years ago, and it was locked in production, wow. and Disney kept it. Kept it. They yeah. kept it instead of producing. They kept it. Eventually, they sold it. Well, I heard the story behind it. I mean, do you know how hard it was to get that movie into production, right? Wow. And so, so, but what's surprising to me about? Well, I guess it's not surprising is that that movie is still considered divisive today. You would think that would be a no-brainer, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You everybody think that would be a uniting factor. Everybody should but agree. If that movie's divisive. Look at what the state of our nation. Even the left has only one moral code as it relates to sex. And that is consent, right? I mean, right. there are no moral boundaries. Just if you consent, then it's, it must be okay. Um, this is clearly a situation where these children who are sex trafficked, there's no consent involved. They're right. kidnapped. The left can't even get on board with that. Right, but that message, that message is not as important as the bigger message they perceive from the movie, which is, which is a, what they sing is that conservative overarching Christian undertone message, especially represented by Jim Cazvizo, who yeah. represents that. So, so again, that message get trumped by the personality and what they represent because it's divisive. Right. It's like, yeah, they're a good player, but that's your team. Right, wrong team. Wrong team. If it was our message on, with our player, it'd be... It'd be yeah, and if it's our player and he's a terrible person, we're still going to promote them because he's on our team. Yep. This is bias on the highest level, yep. and it's bigotry on the highest level. And that's where we are in America today. Well, I wanted to read just a couple more great verses because we need godly heroes in the land and we need to tell their stories. And let me just give this as a plug. You know, our very own Matthew McCaig is helping produce a sermon series that we're coming out with uh, at Living Stones called Tell Me Some Stories because we know the power of storytelling. And, and Matt's a great storyteller. And we're going to be highlighting uh, the testimonies of a lot of our church family at Living Stones. Uh, these are testimonies of transformation that should inspire people, number one, to believe God for transformation in their own lives, but number two, to see courageous people who have walked through some difficult times and came out on the other side. These are, these are the true heroes in the land. I love what the psalmist says. He said, I will make the godly of the land my heroes and invite them to my home. I love that. Make, not only make them your hero, but hey, you're going to come to my house. I want to have a relationship with you. And I love Psalm 16, verse 3, the godly people in the land are my true heroes. I will take pleasure in them. Isn't that good? So we need, we need to teach our children to to love and to celebrate righteousness, to uh, to have a, a uh, have heroes in their own heart, not only Bible heroes, but there should be local church heroes, people that young people can look up to and say, I want to live my life like that. I want to make that kind of impact with my life. Well, I'm hoping the parents will be their hero, especially for Christians. I think that's a lot of, a lot of times that's the problem is the kids came and look up to their own parents. Sure. That's the starting point. That's but, the you starting know, we need point. Role models. And certainly dad and mom are role models number one, you know, in the, yeah. on the list. But, uh, but there should be people in our lives, modern day people that we should say, I value that. I appreciate that person's sacrifice. Right. I appreciate their dedication, their passion for the Lord, their, whatever it is. You know, um, so we, we, we need to raise up some heroes. So anyway, uh, tune in, uh, if you would, on our, at our Living Stones site, lstones.org. We're going to be starting a really cool series. Uh, in fact, when you hear this podcast, we will have already started that series. So please uh, reference that if you're not able to worship with us on Sunday. But how about this? We're called to be heroes. So uh, be a hero in somebody's life. If you're a dad.
dad, be a hero to your kids. If you're a husband, be a hero to your wife. Uh, in the workplace, be somebody that people look up to. Uh, and let's continue to tell the great stories of people who should be celebrated. That's the key to keeping this great republic. We need common stories about common people, everyday ordinary people who are making extraordinary sacrifices uh, for the good of our nation. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Share this podcast far and wide. We look forward to being with you next week. Thank you.